The Outer Banks. Paradise on Earth. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Rush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing Netflix's series, season one of Outer Banks. Outer Banks is an American action mystery adventure teen drama streaming on Netflix. Created by Josh Pate, um, Jonas Pate and uh shannon burke it premiered on uh, netflix april 15th 2020 and because of the pandemic and everything that was going on at the time at the beginning of uh, 2020 or you know spring of 2020 i kind of uh let this one go under the radar and it was being marketed to me more as like a, a young adult type uh less less interesting of the story. I think the marketing really let this down, but it was the word of mouth that kind of entrenched me. I, I heard, heard people through the grapevine saying, ooh, Outer Banks, ooh, Outer Banks, ooh, Outer Banks. And I was like, all right, maybe I should check out Outer Banks because um, I like having, you know, a little bit of the water tested before I go into it and knowing that there's going to at least be some sort of interesting story of uh, – of some sort of nature and given that it is relatively local into where I, I am in proximity of where I live, I'm closer to Charlotte, North Carolina. Outer Banks is probably six to eight hours, give or take traffic, how um, how far it is. But uh, I believe the majority of the Outer Banks show was uh, uh, created on the East Coast and Having lived here most of my life and visited the beach about once or twice a year for the past 20-something plus years, um, I can say that it is a beautiful representation from a cinem cinematography standpoint that this is uh, a very uh, lived-in show. This show was one of the sh was one of the shows. It's it's kind of like I would equate it to the new kids on the block or the new new people on the at the party people that arrive at the party and you're like i don't know if i like them i don't know if they're cool i don't really you know i don't know what their scene is but once you get to know them and once you get to um understand some background and feel that they are lived in characters that this is a very um interesting lively thriving world and i gotta say it's gotta it's uh it feels good to have some East Coast representation that has a really intriguing story with it. I was pretty much automatically hooked. I can't say that I loved the characters immediately right off the bat. I will say I'm glad that they brought these uh, local talents. Um, so the individuals that are in this are uh, Chase Strokes playing John B, um, Madeline Klein, um, as Sarah Cameron, Ma uh, Madison Bailey as uh, uh, Kiara, and we have uh, Jonathan Davis as Pope Hayward, and Rudy Panko, Panko as JJ Maybank, and uh, then we have a list of very lived-in worldly characters that had me um, intrigued almost immediately. I'd say the strongest part about this. Uh, 
is the fact that it feels like we are hanging out with a brand new group of people. Um, and that's kind of how it feels like starting a new show. Sometimes, you know, you, you don't know if you're going to like these people. You don't know if you're going to like hanging out and watching these people. I absolutely did. I felt like I could relate. I could uh, understand that they have like their own lingo, their own style, their own um, lived in world that really felt relatable um, to me specifically. Um, I know that they're supposed to be probably in their mid teens in the movie or in the, in the show, but it, uh, the majority of the real life actors are in the mid twenties. And so they have some time to, you know, grow into their characters, so to speak. And given that there's two seasons, we're only uh, already on Netflix. It's a little bit more promising that it's going to complete can continue to thrive. So um, season one is the only thing we are talking about today. I'm going to probably do the season one, episode one review now, and then we'll have a season one, episode 10 finale episode just to kind of uh give my full take of the season overall i have seen the full season and just in a quick bunch i gotta say even at an hour long i was gonna i thought i was gonna have to complain about uh the pacing i think the pacing is actually one of the most enticing things about this i found myself able to start an episode and pause it midway through and jump back in without it feeling any um you know guilt about it or feeling like I was stressed about feel, uh, finishing the whole season. I was looking forward to the next episode almost every every other scene, you know. I was um uh, I think because of the lived-in world, because of the direction, because of the cinematography, because of the style of it feeling like we're just like hanging out with people, um it's uh it's successful in all those languages. So, um yeah, I got to say the uh, the cool thing about this is the relatability in a way, just to be able to say that I've been to places like this. I've seen places like this. Um, the whole part about the Outer Banks, I will say the the intro uh, intros for the actual Outer Banks thing, uh, credits or whatever you want to call it. Um, it it's, could be a little bit better, but that's one of my biggest gripes, if anything. It's not really. Um, but I love the music and the hanging outness of these uh, these groups of people. And so we're following this guy named John B and his group of, uh, you know, they're, they're not deviants, but, you know, they're just like uh, uh, kind of lower class, um, lower to middle income class. Most of them are. Um, and they are what they call pogues. And Pogues are essentially lower class people that live on um, on the East Coast on the Outer Banks Island. And if you know anything about the islands of uh, uh, right off the coast of North Carolina, they're really beautiful and it's expensive to live there. So naturally, there's probably um, the really expensive uh, housing and the really expensive high class people that are high class, you know, I, I do quotes, high class people, people that are spending way more money and have a uh, $100,000, multiple $100,000 houses, million dollar houses right on the beach and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so Outer Banks deals with that class income welfare disparity. And it talks about from a very interesting and lived in angle about the benefits of 
being in an upper class versus being in a lower class and a middle class and you know that type of thing and the benefits of uh uh you know maybe being in a lower class and how you can kind of skate you know, skate under the radar and so john b is this really interesting guy that's kind of uh we automatically feel bad for him. I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more of the plot just to kind of get you in the headspace of what's going on. Um, but yeah, so John B., why is he an interesting guy? Why is he the quote unquote ringleader of what they call the Pogues? And the Pogues are, um, you know, the kind of low, they, they call themselves the Pogues. It's uh, the lower income uh, side of the outer banks. And so, um, so why is he the most interesting? Well, he has this whole layer of a mystery behind him where he's basically living on his own. Um, he does look a little bit older than I think he's like playing 16 in this. He looks more like he's like 25 in this, but I think he in real life is like 30 or something like that. The real life actor that's none here. No, there he did play uh, young pretty well, in my opinion. Um, let me see. Sorry, I was. Okay, so anyways, um, I got to say from watching the first episode, I was almost instantly hooked. I got to say the the mystery surrounding him, he doesn't have uh, a family. You find out, you know, there's this big layer of his father was looking for this uh, almost uh, ominous treasure off the island of, uh, the out of the outer banks and stuff like that. And you're like, Oh, that's definitely going to come back into the story. And so, uh, you know, it's the story of these lower income, um, most of them are lower income, what they call themselves pogues going after, uh, this adventure and getting wrapped up in a whole lot of shit on the way. And I got to say on, on top of them being layered in this mystery of this missing treasure kind of thing going on, it feels like there's layers of like, uh, like a Spielberg's, uh, the Goonies and stuff like that. Was that, that wasn't Spielberg. That was a uh, Superman guy, Donner, Richard Donner. Um, so anyways, it feels a little bit like the Goonies meets uh, like a young adult fiction. Um, meets mystery and crime and i had a blast i got to say that from um from the first episode to the last episode i don't think there's a wasted scene i i, I you know might have slowed down here or there or the you know things didn't go exactly how i had had predicted but i really don't have many uh gripes about this show i was very pleased with the first season how strong it was um just from the lived-in nature of it and kind of being almost immediately hooked and i gotta say if you were doing a drinking game or a whatever game that you do with you know your streaming television and you take a shot or a drink for every time someone's being chased there's probably a chase maybe sometimes two chase scenes within one episode and so it always is keeping you on your toes and always keeping you you know uh, uh ready for the next thing and so um i think that kind of goes along with the pacing as well i you know they know that the audience wants to have fun. And I think that with the direction of, I think his name was Josh Pate, Jonas Pate, Jonas Pate seems to be the director and Josh Pate seems to be the writer along with Shannon Brooke. Um, so yeah, I was, um, I was very pleased with, uh, 
the first episode and instantly hooked. Um, let's hop into a couple of the side things real quick. Um, I'm not too familiar with Chase Strokes as an actor. I honestly don't know any of them as actors. They, I wonder if these are first time actors. Um, let me see, filmography for Chase, John B's character is, okay, so he was in uh, Stranger Things. Okay, so uh, da, 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 John B. Okay, so he played in the first, I think that might've been with one of the creators on here i'm not exactly sure okay so i don't know so he was on the first uh he was in the beach house that's a tv film daytime divas satirical comedy drama you see stranger things is the only thing i really noticed him from and uh he's got a couple other things coming out tell me your secrets and one of us is lying yep i'm not familiar with this guy although it is cool to see that he is an American actor. I honestly thought that, and he's 28 um, from Maryland. So um, anything else we want to figure out from these um, guys? Jonas Pate is from uh, Rayford, North Carolina. I'm liking all of these people that are coming from the state that are, you know, still, um, you know, they're still in the state or at least filming around it. Um, let me see, Jonas Pate and his uh, twin brother, Josh Pate. Okay, so they're twin brothers. That's pretty cool. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, Madeline Klein, who plays Sarah Cameron, unfamiliar with her. I'm going to go into her uh, uh, filmography real quick. Oh, she's going to be in Knives Out too. That's going to be interesting. Um, I have not seen her in anything. She was in Stranger Things as well. Okay, I don't remember her being in Stranger Things. Um, she was in the Mad Max episode. I don't remember that. Um, the originals, vice principals, the jury. So she's had some stuff under her belt. Um, continuing on, um, uh, Madison Bailey. I really wanted to give her who plays, uh, Kiara. Um, um, she is local to North Carolina, Keenersville, North Carolina. She's 22. And uh, she is pansexual and she was, she's pansexual and is dating North University of North Carolina, Charlotte women's basketball star, Mariah Lindley. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Um, and so she's had quite uh, a lot of things under her belt, uh, roles that is Council of Dads, Creep Show, Black Lightning, I've heard of that show, uh, Two Roads, Nightclub Secrets, Choose the Murder, Mr. Mercedes, Swamp Warners, and Constantine. Oh, she was in Constantine. I wonder if that's the show, Constantine. I think it was, yeah, the NBC show. Um, she's going to be in Impractical Jokesters, the movie, uh, American Horror Stories, and Time Cut. So, yeah, I mean, there's she's going to have quite a career, and I'm glad that she's uh, continuing on. Um, and I also like that they incorporate a lot of touchstones of – North Carolina in this show. I got to say that having, um, you know, uh, they show uh, University of North Carolina in the in the show at least one point. And it's uh, cool to say that it looks like they actually shot on on set on, you know, actually not on set, but actually shot on location. Um, and so let me see. Uh, Jonathan Davis was the other actor I wanted to uh second to last one i want to check out so he's uh from deliverance creek he is from tennessee originally nashville all the he's, 
It was in all the marbles, Edge of the World, Age of Summer, Shattered Memories, Strangers. Um, and I don't recognize anything else he's been in, but I really like him as an actor. He's he's got gravitas and I can I can see he has screen presence. You know, he's not afraid to emote, you know. Um, and the same thing for Rudy Pankow, who plays JJ Maybank, who's uh Jambi's best friend since third grade. Um he is um American actor. He's from Nobody Knows, eleven forty-seven, do good things, not me. Last summer, Deviant Muse Thought Contagion, Space Waves, I'm not familiar with anything of those. Sunny Family Cult, The Politician Solved. I haven't seen anything that this guy's been in, but I guarantee you he was good in it because I mean he's 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 pretty damn good in this, I gotta say. Everyone feels like such lived-in characters. That's one of the main things that I felt like um, other Netflix shows that I've watched. I know it's not specifically a Netflix show, but um, uh, Manifest was a show that I've watched. I've only covered the first episode at this point, but I got to say I was not engaged in entertained in that world as it was with this, with, uh, you know, uh, Outer Banks, that the world was not lived in. It felt like the dialogue was all still, most of it felt stilted. This feels the exact opposite. It feels like a breeze to watch, and I can't wait for the next episode, as opposed to, oh my God, the next episode, you know, not even looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, there's uh, quite a stacked cast when it comes to some um, good young talent, and I'm glad, I'm kind of glad that we, this is talent I've never seen before, and despite them having some of them not uh some of them being in less uh some things that i i have seen and some things i haven't seen so anyways here's the uh pilot directed by jonas pate teleplay by josh pate and pate and uh shannon burke so this will contain spoilers for the first episode john b Kiara, Pope, and JJ are a group of friends living on the Outer Banks Island. John B. is called into the office at school as his father has been missing for nine months and his uncle is listed as his caretaker, but has listed out of state for the last three months. The Child Protective Services want to find him a foster home, but their check-in has to be rescheduled due to a hurricane coming towards the island, which this hurricane becomes much more of a... Uh, a character in this story as as does the location of the outer banks i mean them the way the show starts is them on a really expensive house and um them running from the cops i mean it's almost instantly shown what kind of people that we're dealing with you know they like to have fun they like to kind of escape you know by the rules a little bit and um you know they're going to get in a little bit of trouble um and they don't care if they're fucking with the kooks. And I gotta say, the kooks sound kind of like a, a racist name for something. But I'm just, I'm just not. I'm. That's what. That's what they said it is. Um. So, anyways, the uh, so there's a hurricane coming towards the island. After the hurricane hits, the group of friends take down the boat into the marsh to fish. They run into what they think is a sandbar, but turns out to be a sunken ship. When they dive down to take a look they find a key that goes to a room at the Summer Winds Motel. It's almost like this is, it feels a little bit like 
a video game in a way how it's like you got to find you bump into the thing that finds the thing that rolls into the next thing that you got to solve the mystery and you're very much we feel like the fifth member of this crew you know we feel like we're the missing person of the pogues also like how they call the boat the pogue uh you know my friends and i have random names for things we call you know each other and then it's funny how they refer to themselves as pogues, but also they call the boat the pogue. It's like everything's a pogue. It's like, I understand that, um, you know, lingo and stuff. It feels like, like I said, lived in. So um, when they find the sunken ship and they find all this inf interesting information, I think we also see that there's a body at that point. And, uh, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was very cool. Um, so let me see. When they dive down to take a look and they find a key that goes into a room at the Summer Winds Motel, when JJ and John B. enter the room, they find a safe containing an envelope, gun, and hundreds of dollars of cash in cash. Um, JJ grabs the gun and a handful of cash as the sheriff shows up. They escape through the window and get away as the sheriff investigates the room. Um, and we see the sheriff turn into a dirty sheriff. He takes some of the uh, some of the cash, and uh, automatically, I'm able to see that these people, uh, from a directing standpoint, from a writing standpoint, can set up a scene that is got me on pins and needles. It's got hooks in my skin. That that sounds a little bit excessive. You know, it's hooked me. It's not my skin, but he's like, oh, and they hooked me in my skin. No, no. Uh, they, they've got hooks in me like a fish that have me intrigued automatically off of the first maybe 15 minutes of the show. And they have imagery of uh, John B's father kind of floating in the ocean and stuff like that. It's like, all right, so John B's father's probably still alive somewhere or something. You know, I had, I had, I had like, I had hunches and stuff like that. Not to say he is or isn't. Um, but I just thought that at least there's this mystery that keeps you going. And so, uh, yeah, they, they take one of the, they take the gun, they take some cash. The sheriff takes some cash. He's like, everybody gets cut. And uh, the lady's like, everyone gets a cut. Oh my God, it's like $50 million. <laughs> so um, anyways, uh, so JJ and John B escape through the window and they get away as the sheriff investigates the room later that night, they take a keg out to the beach and have a party during the party a feud breaks out between John B and topper. One of the biggest assholes that his, um, employer's daughter dates and he's friends who is Sarah, Sarah dates topper. Um, which what a horrible name, right? I'm sorry for everyone named Topper. That's just asking for it. Um, and so, yeah, so Topper's like beating the shit out of John B. And he keeps saying, like, I'm going to kill you, like uh, drown you like your father. It's like, dude, this guy's horrible. Anyone that makes fun of someone's dead family is like automatically like done. You know, you, you can't ride with them. So um, Topper, one of Pog the Pogue's rivals, part of the wealthy gang of the kooks. Topper, um, forces John B's head under the water and holds him under. JJ pulls out the gun taken from the hotel room and threatens Topper with it until he releases John B. This was unnecessary for JJ to go this far. I, I was like, oh gosh, JJ is going to be the guy to go off and, you know, fuck everything up. But 
JJ fires the gun into the air and to end the party and disperse the party goers. Like way to have like no friends instantly. <laughs> um, and it's a small island. Everyone's going to know you did it. You can't just fuck around like that. So later on, the group wants to go back and explore the boat. So John B. borrows scuba gear from his employer. While leaving the boat site crash, sorry, while leaving the boat crash site where they are chased and shot at by two other men in a boat. This is intense. Like almost immediately, I thought this was, honestly, this would have been a complaint if they didn't kind of yada yada. But the kids are almost instantly hunted down by these two randos. Dude, one of them looks like fucking Ted Cruz. <laughs> and another one looks like a, just a crackhead. And so they're like Ted Cruz and this other guy, Ted Cruz looking ass and this other guy are like trying to shoot the kids from another boat. And, um, you know, the, the ability to have this, the cinematography is kind of keeping the boats at a certain distance and the blocking is like you can't really see what is happening in the other boat but they are like being shot at from the first episode i was like holy shit this is like kicking on way more than i thought i was going to so um yeah so the uh they go to explore the boat they're being shot at by ted cruz looking ass and the other guy and uh so kiara throws a net that gets tangled in the motor and allows them to get away. Um, when they arrive and open the bag, they find the bag that contains John B's father's compass. And it's almost like every single little clue will take you to the next thing. And it's like, all right, here's the next little bit. Here's the next little bit. Here's the next little bit of the mystery. And uh, I got to say, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I was like, I'm fucking hooked. I was like, it, it gets a little bit crazy, but um, the acting's good. These are good actors. You know, I I don't question for a second that maybe their accents could be a little bit more uh, North Carolina-ish, but, you know, but uh, that really depends on where you grew up, honestly. I, I didn't feel that uh, anything stuck out to me as like hey that's not happening here like i'm pretty sure that they shot in south carolina but south carolina looks almost identical to north carolina um give or take the tourism but yeah i was um i was floored i, I wished i had seen this last year um yeah that's about it so Thank you for watching, listening, Lucky Doll Podcast. Go to luckydollpodcast.com for all the other, you know, we got the movies, the TVs, the reviews, all the good stuff. Social medias, you can find there in the description, uh, Lucky Doll Podcast. Donate. You can find the live. You can go on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff. SoundCloud, you can get the audio listen to it. We drop them every Tuesdays on SoundCloud. We drop them early on Patreon. So you could be listening to this days earlier if, uh, if it happens on Patreon. So Patreon, you have the $1, you got the $2, the $5 subscriptions. You get the entire library for $5 a month. You could have hundreds and hundreds of reviews, movies, TVs, aftercast, aftercasts are things that we are topics we talk about in between movies and TV, the crazy stuff going on around the world. Um, you know, my, my heart and uh, my thoughts and prayers and everything. I wish I could send more than just that, but I'm thinking about everyone across the world and what's happening in Afghanistan. Um, you know, try to educate yourself on that if you're not already. So um, 
yeah, um, I would definitely recommend Outer Banks on Netflix. It is definitely a hidden gem and it's not just a young, a young adult television show. It goes a little bit more than the extra mile and it feels like lived in characters that you want to hang out with and you want to explore this world um, more with them. So thank you for listening, watching Lug It All podcast. Let me know how I can improve. Thumbs up, subscribe, follow, do what you can to uh, support the podcast. Thank you. That's where all your problems begin. Care.